welcome to the Sugar Mama Show, where I, Sugar Mama, invite interesting guests to share interesting stories. And today's guest, um, I actually met her by chance a few months ago, and she's someone I kind of, I sort of have a girl crush on her. <laughs> she loves cats. She's hilarious, and her name is Jody Miller. Hi. Hi, Jody. Hi, Sugar Mama. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jody, in case you have not heard of Jody Miller, um, she is a comedian, writer, actor. She's just one of those gals who is everyone's best friend. She's the life of the party. Um, I think you've won some awards or um i've gotten i've gotten some uh prestigious mentions i like to say it that <laughs> sounds so so <laughs> awesome when i say it like that uh when i did my one woman show so uh well award, no awards yet but well and and actually after this podcast you just never know but well my you... cat does leave me awards every morning in the litter box <laughs> and so. those and those count and they're warm they're really nice so, but but actually, you've done quite a bit. You've been on the Tonight Show, Leno, mm-hmm. Chelsea lately. Um, you're a regular at the Comedy Store, and you have the uh, you you are co-author or author. Of I'm the a co-author WTF. of the WTF series and the sole author of the OMG Guys. Okay, and WTF? Can you explain to me what yes, that stands the for? The WTF is how to survive 101 of the worst effing situations, and there's WTF. WTF work, how to survive 101 of the worst effing situations at the workplace. Mm-hmm. WTF college, how to survive 101 of the worst campus situations. WTF women, how to survive 101 of the worst effing situations with women. And then there's the best of WTF, which just came out. And then I wrote OMG Guys, which is more is geared more towards women, which is how to survive 101 of the worst effing situations with men. With men. And so this would be like sexual They're everything. I mean, it goes from everything from like, you know, if we're looking at maybe the workplace one, someone keeps stealing your, you know, stapler. And it goes all the way to you sleep with your boss. And then what happens is we give three options of how to handle it from this, you know, the basic sort of serious advice all the way to the most extreme, you know what I mean? Like um, like maybe one of them for college is you knock up your professor. Whoops. Oops. <laughs> Oops, WTF, what are you going to do? Um, well, one would be man up. That's one of our options, man up. You know, you did the crime, do the time, you know what I mean? And the other one, another option would be kick her down the stairs. I mean, not enough to right. kill her because you want to pass the class, but enough to, you know, relinquish your duties as father. So, yeah, you can, you know what I mean. So so would you find this, like, let's say in the advice section at Barnes & Noble? Uh, it's actually or... in Barnes & Nobles. It's in the humor section. In the humor section. It's in the humor okay. section, or you can go on Amazon. They're great. As I've been told from many people that have uh, purchased the books and have sent me emails through my website that they're great bathroom books. <laughs> and they are, actually, because they're books that you can pick up like any time and just read, you know, one. But the fact that people are on the toilet reading my uh, oh, my work is, God, it's just as good as cleaning out the litter box. It just feels well, just you know, as rewarding. And apropos. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it is something. I mean, that is kind it of a is. compliment, I must it say. It is. It absolutely those are the ones is. you remember. Oh, yeah, of course. And those are the ones that you tell your friends about. And, you know, at WTF Work, we also have extras like um, the resumes that you, you know, have never been found like we discovered Hitler's resume, you know. Um, oh, right. Yes, exactly. Okay. You know, you know his his goals would be, you know, to conquer Poland, become the master of all, you know, humankind. Um, and then, you know, maybe some, you know, his five-year plan, his past employment. Mm-hmm. We also uh, we also have the devil, the devil's uh, resume, which is also good. And, uh, you know, and Cleopatra's, you know, she slept with 
many of her uh, br- siblings or brothers. So, so she could uh, who's your pharaoh dot com is actually her. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, so so Jody. Okay, so first of all, I think after this podcast, you will win an award. Um, <laughs> And I, I want everyone to know that you can find uh, Jody Miller's books at Barnes and Noble. But I wanted to get um, kind of personal, if you yeah, don't mind, no. beyond the cap, beyond the litter box. When I did meet you, and and I sort of, as it, it feels like, as a as a writer and sometimes a comedic writer, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with comedians, and I sort of I sort of romanticize or idealize them, and I sort of think you have the life. And when you and I spoke, it was there. I think it was on the eve of your fortieth. It was close up. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about um, a month away. So okay. Yes. And unfortunately, I mean, I'm the one with the radio face, which is why I'm not TV on TV. But Jody, of course, is gorgeous. And She's she ha- gorgeous. And- <laughs> Sugar mom's gorgeous. Don't let her fool you. And Jody happens to be single and not wanting to be single and wanting to start a family. And a lot of that, I think, is what what we discussed was sort of conducive to the the lifestyle you lead. And that Absolutely. is at ten o'clock with a bunch of beer drinking. Woo! Jody's hilarious, yes. but not the kinds that you want to date. No, I mean the kinds that you take home for a night. But I already did that in my twenties when I was a bartender, so I'm done with that. Um, it's not even, you know, a lot of comics are, you know, they stay out late. They have very late schedules. I'm not like that, actually. You know, um, for the most part, most of my shows are. You know, around the 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock for the most part, um, even when I'm working the road and I've got two shows, even 8 and 10, I'm still in bed relatively early. I don't have that lifestyle anymore. I think it's more about, you know, humor is, I guess, has just been, you know, assumed that it's a guy's trait. You know, the guy's supposed to be funny. So there is an intimidation factor there that I'm aware of, I'm completely aware of, and I wouldn't want to be with someone who who wasn't supportive of what I did or felt intimidated by a woman that could, you know, make them laugh. Having said that, I I obviously need to be with someone who can make me laugh, not someone who's a comic, because I don't want to date a comic, but just someone who makes me laugh, and it's not hard to make me laugh. I, I think people, I think guys in particular feel like, well, I'm not going to be able to make her laugh if she's a professional comic, and that's not the case. It's not the case at all, you know what I mean? The stuff that I talk about on stage, you know, is is based on my life, and, and, and it's basically written, you know, as a as a comedic, you know, joke, but, you know, it's, that's different than just everyday humor. And I think some people get intimidated by that and forget about that. And, and it's, I think it's such a double standard because uh, male comedians, it doesn't matter what they look like, you know, you can see some of the, um, some of the least attractive male comedians still have just like, you know, gaggles of girls hanging off of them. I love that word, gaggles. They're just hanging off of them, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, you're so funny, and I follow you around. Because uh, if you ask a girl, you know, what she's looking for in a guy, of course she's going to say a sense of humor. Right. I'm not. I'm going to say hot, looking for a hot guy. Duh. Uh, duh. But when you ask a guy what he's looking for, they rarely say sense of humor. Well, let me ask you this. When you are on a date, do you find that... Wait, hold on. Let me... Let me think back. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. I got it. Now, think back to that, to that <laughs> night. Oh, all right. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Assuming you had dinner, um, <laughs> do you feel that the men whom you date expect you to entertain them? Do you feel like you have to be constantly on and funny? You know, I guess – I don't know. Actually, the ones that do – make it over the threshold and get up the courage to ask me out. Um, no, it's not so much that they expect me to perform, but um, more often than not, sometimes they almost perform for me, even if they're not comics. Like, they want to show me just how funny they are. 
or just how you know interesting mm-hmm. their stories are where it's like I'm not on you're not on we're just having dinner or drinks um so let's you know you don't have to you know what I mean right yeah. right 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 well I don't have that problem <laughs> I, I haven't been on a date in a long time because you're um, married I have been married for a long time but I do find myself which is funny because in in writing I'm a lot funnier than I am in person clearly I don't think I've gotten a laugh <laughs> But I, just, when I get nervous, you know, on a date, I'll try and crack a joke. And when it bombs, it bombs. I mean, and it's the date's kind of over. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. But I, I think that it's it's such a talent that, I, that you know, so many of us covet. And being a female comic, I mean, you've got, of course, you have Ellen. And you've got, you know, all the real, the big, 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 right. big names. And then... Um, and then there, there really are only a handful of you. There's more coming. There are more coming, you know, that are, that are coming up. I think for so long, you know, there's been that horrible, you know, notion that you know, women aren't funny and people write about it. And, you, and, you know, but if you look back to, you know, Joan Rivers, who some people love and some people hate, I think she just was, a you know, a trailblazer for the most part. I mean, she really... She really, you know, set the tone for attractive women can be funny. You know what I mean? Um, and it, you know, if you look at most of the women on television, you know, the Jennifer Anistons and the Courtney Cox, I mean, then eventually you're like, okay, well, they're they're acting, they're funny. But here's the thing, you know, you, you hear a lot, you know, female comics are just not as funny as men. And it's such a, I hate when people say that. The truth is, is that there are just more men doing it. So obviously, if you go to a show and there are 10 comics on the lineup and seven of them are guys and three of them are women, which is usually the way it is. Like, I have a show tonight. I'm going to a show after this and it's four guys and me. So that's usually the way it works out. So you have seven guys and three girls. And two of the girls aren't very funny, but one girl's really funny. But four of the guys aren't that funny, but three of them are unbelievably funny. You're going to walk out of there just assuming that men are funnier. They're just more of them. So I can't blame those people. They haven't seen enough very funny female comics out there because there aren't that many of us. But the good news is, is that there are more. Because for a long time, I think a lot of women that, you know, felt attractive, you know, were like, well, I can't get up there and do comedy. Like, I'll just stick to acting or just maybe hosting, you know what I mean? And they don't have to. They don't have to do that. You can get on stage, and even though you're attractive, you can talk about it's. It's not like you know someone's attractive and your life is just perfect. You know, what I mean? everything just falls right into place because everybody knows that is so not true. Right. So we're just you know we're all going through you know this thing called life, and we all have these experiences that a lot of people can relate to. You know what I mean? Well, so and you're from Jersey. Is I'm that from right? Jersey, yes. <clears throat> and so, at what point did you realize that you had something that you were funny? You know, if people ask me that a lot, and I don't know if I was. There's a lot of my friends, both male and female uh, comics, that you just know. You just know they were born to be a comic. They watched stand-up comedy growing up. They were always trying to get on stage to tell jokes. I was. I. I was not born. Um, to be a comic. I wasn't born a comic. Um, I, I don't think I saw my first stand-up. I mean, I saw Bill Cosby, um, Bill Cosby, you know, that his uh, his special himself, you know, when I was young because my father was watching it. But other than that, I've never seen a live comedy show until I was out of college. I was born to be a performer. Mm-hmm. And I started singing at a very young age. And I was doing musical theater and then acting and then hosting. And then I got into stand-up I think I was always funny, but I was always, 
entertaining. It was just, this is a form of entertainment for me. You know what I mean? And I, I always knew that I could write. So when stand-up presented itself to me, it was a producer. Um, I was still living in New York at the time, and I had come out to California to do a week-long intensive of a showcasing for agents and producers. And one producer just happened to say to me, do you do comedy? And I, I was like, well, what do you mean? I was so green. I was like, so, like you know, 22. And he was like, well, you've really good timing. I had no idea what that meant. I was like, well, I'll do it then. And then I'll come back here and you'll just give me a sitcom. Because that's the way it works, right? So I went back to New York and I, and I took a class. And it, it, it turned out to be a great class. I still, even before I got on stage, and I had been at that time performing on stage for years, since I was like 10, like doing musical theater and doing all of that. But I was so scared. I was like, oh, my God. Oh my God. I get up there, and it was just an amazing experience. And I still, even at that point, thought, I did it. I can just put it on my resume. And someone was in the audience and came up to me, and she said, I was at Stand Up New York uh, for that show. And she came up to me, and she said, uh, you're great. Um, I want to book you. Uh, I run a show on Thursday nights you know, downtown. And I was like, oh, no, I just I had to do it once. That's, somebody told me to do it, so that's like, I'm not really. She's like, okay, so I'll see you third day. I was like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden I was doing it. But, I mean, for a long time, I kind of denied that I was a stand-up. I was an actor right. that did comedy. And you see a lot of people that do that. And I didn't, I don't think I fully embraced it until, you know, several years later. Because I didn't have a voice back then. I think right. a lot of comics don't have a, a, a voice. And, you know, it coincidentally... You know, it wasn't until I was writing a lot more that I was doing a lot more stand-up. Because you, as a writer, know, you might not think that you're funny, but you ought, if you can write funny, mm-hmm. you're funny. Mm-hmm. There's a part of you that's maybe just not the performer part of you, but you're well, funny. Well, timing. I know timing is everything, because I actually do write for some comics. Right, yes. And, uh, and when I hear myself do it, I, I do it in their voice, but that's not my voice. You right, know, it's, it's not it's your voice. Real, it's a real gift. The thing is, is that I, because I teach comedy, mm-hmm. and... I've been teaching the class for about seven years, but privately coaching for many, many years. Because I, like you, I could see, I could watch a comic on stage. And because I'm a writer, you know, that's a part of me just as much as comedy is a part of me or acting. I could see it on stage and say, that joke, you know, is good, but it should it should go like this. So I found myself going up to comics and saying, I just, I don't know if you're open to this, but maybe you should say it this way. And then finally somebody was like, I want to pay you for a whole session. And then I started coaching and that led me to a class. Here's the thing. And I'll say this with all certainty. I can take anyone and get, and get you a set and get you on stage and you'll, and you'll be do good. I, I anyone, anyone. And I know this because I've been teaching a class for seven years and some people that have come through my class are truly gifted. They were meant to do comedy. Some people are coming through because they're writers and they want to just get on stage once and they go back to writing. But even that time on stage, they're like, wow, I can do it for anyone. And I, I, I remember there was a, on on MTV that there was a show, Robin Big Black. Oh, love uh, that I, show. Right. Love that well, show. Well, Big Black, one episode wanted to do comedy. So the guys at MTV, my friend Shane, who worked there at the time, called me up and was like, will you coach Big Black? They cut out that ep- they cut out the majority of that episode, but I did see it on the. He sent me the DVD because they and the DVD. And if you bought the DVD, you know, collection, the, that episode was on. Or that part of the episode was on, and I sat with him and we wrote five minutes, and it was really funny. And then he did it at room five, which is a room right by my house, and I was off to the side just like I would be for any of my students, super excited because what had happened is, I had seen him on stage two weeks prior, with the film crew. And he did what I think a lot of people think 
they can do when they're starting out with comedy. They're going to get on stage and they're, and then, you know, they tell funny stories at parties, so they're just going to get up there and do it. And that's not how it works. Guess what? It's not. It's a, it's a rude awakening. And it was painful. And it was really painful. And because of that experience, he was really scared when we were working together. And I promised him, I'm like, that's not going to happen now because now you're going to have things to say. It's the magic of comedy that you think comedians just get up there and say like the first thing that comes to their mind. No, it's they're scripted jokes that we've written. You know what I mean? How do how do you know though when you have them? I mean, how do you know when you're on stage? Because I don't know if you can see people or not. How you can do you see know a lot of them. A lot of times. Well, I mean, after your first laugh, you know, here's the thing with the audience. Another misconception of stand up is that um that the audience, you know what I mean, is out to get you or something like that. The audience wants you to succeed. Nobody comes to a comedy club and is like, I hope they fail. I hope they're not funny. Everybody wants you to be funny. And if the host is doing their job correctly, they're introducing you like, you know, you, you know her as Sugar Mama. She's, she plays all over town. You guys are going to love her. And they're like robots. They're like, oh, my God, we're going to love her. So they just listen to the host. And then you get up there and then, boom, your opening joke. The second they laugh, it's almost like a sigh. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we, we do love her. And then it's fine. It's getting the laugh in your first, you know, 30, 45 seconds. And then it goes from there. But, you know, it's, it's, it's having a set that you've memorized and rehearsed so many times that it sounds natural. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a natural gift for performing, if you're an actor or, you know, I work with both people that have already done a lot of stuff on stage, people that have done a lot of stage but never comedy, and then I've worked with people that have never been on stage in their life. And I'll tell you, both have their pros and cons. When I work with someone who's been on stage, they have bad habits. Yes, they can perform anything written for them like it's the first time, but they've got this, I've been on stage and I'm doing comedy voice, which is weird. (laughs) Right? Isn't it weird? You want to sound like yourself. And I used to do it because I was a performer on stage. So I used to do a lot of my comedy like that. When I work with people that have never been on stage, they actually talk like they're telling me a right, story. Right, right. And they're that's more malleable. really great. And that's what the audience wants to hear. You know what I mean? Because So yeah. have you, co- other than, than, was it Rob? Yes. Other than him, have you coached any, you don't have to say who it is. But yes, you I have. Co- yes, yeah. I mean, I definitely work with people, or I've written jokes for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yes, I've definitely helped um, some famous people, you know, get into comedy, um, Right. And take it from there. So, okay, so what's next for you, Jody? I mean, you kind next. of, you're the trifecta, right? I mean, you, you write, you yes. act. Yes. You're a comic. Yes. Is there singing? I dancing? do I do sing, uh, yeah. but, not, but not, not right now. Not as good as that. <laughs> uh, I started, I mean, I started singing. I did musical theater, but, you know, um, it just wasn't, really wasn't for me. I think I realized it when I booked my first job on a soap hungover that, oh, I can't be hungover for a musical theater audition, but I can be for television. So I'm going to stay with television because <laughs> I'm in my 20s and I should be drinking all the time. Um, and I loved singing, but um, I, I couldn't really seem, I didn't really love doing musical theater at that time. Rent had just, it was just coming out. And before that, it was, I got rhythm. And I was just like, I'm going to shoot myself in the face. But I did a lot of reviews, I, you know what I mean, and, you know, musical review stuff. And I was just like done with that. Um, so what is next for me? Um, wow. Let me see. Um, Other than I know you have to leave in about 20 minutes. Jody has been so lovely to kind of squeeze in this podcast. Before no, she, thank you You're going to be at the Irvine. Um, I'm, at the com- Ir- I'm at the Irvine uh, Comedy Club. I am a regular at, at all three clubs in L.A., so I'm there quite a bit, and I do travel. Um, I was in Afghanistan over the summer. Uh, oh, that's right. I did read about that. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, which was a life-changing experience um, for them. You hopefully. know, everyone says that. Was it really? Yeah, and I'm, but I'm, when I'm, I'm not saying it like, oh my god, it was a life-changing experience. Like I'm such a better person. No, absolutely not. It was life-changing. Like, oh my god, that just took five years off my life. Right. Like, um, I'm so honored to have gone, and I'm blessed to have met the men and women you know that are out there risking their lives because we were in it. It was the first time they've ever sent women to the front line, and we were in it. But it was grueling, and it was really rough. And, you know, very, very physically rough and um, and mentally and exhausting. And it, you know, it took a lot out of us. The shows were mostly outside in 125 degree, you know, heat. Right. You're sweating profusely because you're really you have to wear, you know, long sleeves and jeans when you travel on the choppers and, and then you have gear and it's just you're sweating. It's just really rough. Um, and the guys, a lot of the guys were shell shocked, but they're so happy that you're there. So talking to them was great, but it was really rough. I mean, it was really rough. One of the places we went to didn't have bathrooms. You have to go to the bathroom in a bag. They're called wag bags. Wow. I mean, that would be funny, but it's not. Yeah. No, it's – yeah, we can talk about it now, and it's, like, hysterical now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There, we were, like – when it was happening, we're, like, what? Like, you just – you feel like you're beat down. Like, when we got back, I felt like I had gotten out of, like, an abusive relationship. You know, it was that weird, like, what just happened? Because it was 15 days, and it took about a month to really – really sort of get reacclimated. I was really out of it. Yeah. Um, we all were. Um, but so you probably yeah. won't be going back. Probably not to Afghanistan. Definitely not in summer. But I do love I do love entertaining the troops. And um, there are a lot of other bases that need, you know, entertainment. Um, and again, you know, I made a lot of great friends over there in Afghanistan mm-hmm. that, you know, we've kept in contact via email. And God bless them. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm glad. Right. I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do it. You know what I mean? Well, and I think that's, I mean, that's the key with comedy is to, is to make someone laugh, I think, is the greatest gift anyone, anyone can ever give or receive personally. It really is. Um, and I think it's a hard thing to do. And I think it's, um, someone was talking about how I'm religious. I wouldn't say that I'm religious, but I do feel like if you have that gift, that's an obligation to make someone laugh. Yeah. Because um, it takes years off. I think. I mean, it makes you younger and happier and lighter. It's and that there's a saying, you know, especially even to do comedy. Comedy is very healing. And I encourage people to do comedy or at least tell jokes or at least laugh. They say, there's a saying, you can spend uh, 10 years on the couch or 10 minutes on stage. Oh, and wow. It's, and it's really true. Uh, com- and there's another saying, comedy is cheaper than therapy, which a lot of people have heard. And it is. And in fact, when we were over in Afghanistan and we were in the wounded warrior section, we we're talking to some of the soldiers, you know, they already have counselors there dealing with their post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was talking to them and I'm like, you guys should really do comedy. And I've worked with, with people out that are, are that are here, that are stationed back home, that are out of the military, that are doing comedy. Like they get into comedy after the military. And it's very healing for anyone, by the way, because I've worked with many comics that have had a lot of traumatic things happen. I mean, addiction, besides addiction, but being, you know, in abusive relationships, loss of loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had one, one of my students was kidnapped when she was 13 and had this horrific experience. And, you know, there's nothing you can't talk about. And when you talk about it on stage, you take a... You, what happens is you sort of take the power away from the incident that happened mm-hmm. because you're sort of laughing about it with people. You're kind of bringing it to light and people are and you're, and you're wording it in a way that people are, are okay to laugh about it. Less and it scary. actually, it is, it's less scary. You're dealing with it that way. So when I was talking to some of the soldiers, 
you know, we they would make jokes with each other. I go, you should you should have a comedy night and talk about it. You guys will all totally get it, and it will help you deal with it. You know, my friend got shot in the butt. <laughs> Please, he had a big butt anyway. He needed to lose a little weight. We we wanted that. To, you know what I mean? And that's the kind of stuff. And then they laugh about it, and it you can see their faces change. Right. Getting them to talk about it with humor is so like therapeutic, and it, it's to anyone because you see comics that that show up for shows that have had a horrible day. Like whenever I have something horrible that has happened, even if it's just a date that just is the horribly wrong, I'm going to get up on stage and talk about it. Mm-hmm. It really, it helps the healing process, even if it's something small. It really, really does. And obviously I'm talking about it. And if people are laughing, that means there's somebody in the audience that can relate to it. And I'm helping them. Even if they can't get on stage, I'm their voice. I'm saying, look, right. it's not just you. Other people have had horrific experiences too. And now let, you know what I mean? No, no, I do. I do. And of course, other people have cats, which I know is, is a huge theme of yours. I yes. have to be a cat person. I know. And I have a web series that you can check out called Ask Jersey Cat. Ask Jersey Cat. Yes. And then on that note, I want to let everyone know that yes. I will put uh, a link to Jody's site on our website and as well as a link. You can get your books on Amazon. You can get or... them anywhere. Yes. If you, okay. you, yes. If you just even put in WTF the book or WTF work, you'll see it's Amazon. Um, Barnes and Noble. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we'll do that. And Jody, I want to thank you so much for of coming on. Thank you. This is a very last minute thrown together thing. I want everyone to know. I hope you guys didn't notice. And um, again, this is my girl crush. She will be on again. I promise you that. <laughs> and um, tune in next week. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye.